Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Kennedy, and I'm here to help you become the very best version of yourself. Hey guys, welcome back to this week's episode of the show. Today, I am joined by Tanika Anderson. Tanika is a performer, she's a singer, she's a dancer, she was part of the High Five group for a number of years. She's about to be in the musical Frozen, which is by Disney here in Australia. Uh, and she also runs a very successful and interesting fashion label called You and May, and we'll touch on that in today's show. But I really enjoyed today's chat, and I know you'll get a lot of value out of it. So if you do, please do take a screenshot, post it up on your Instagram story for me, tag myself and tag Tanika. We would love to get some feedback on today's show. All right, Tanika, welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm looking forward to our chat. I mean, we've uh, Yanni started training with me a couple of weeks ago, and we've had some good conversations at training. So um, I'm looking forward to to getting into a bit more detail today. And and like I've still there's heaps that that I would still like to find out about um, your journey so far as well. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I mean, it's hard to kind of talk and train at the same time, but I feel like we've managed to get in some pretty solid conversations. <laughs> Done pretty well. You've bought yourself some good rest time in between sets yeah that's it (laughs) that's my strategy uh so the first question i wanted to ask you today is um is where did it all start like your whole journey um in in kind of show business and what was where did you find i guess your your purpose or your your why when did you kind of first figure that out yeah well i mean i started dancing and singing when i was a little kid and you know my first big job Um, would have been with High Five, which is the kids group. And that Mm. was honestly life-changing for me. But you don't think as a performer, hey, I'm going to become a kids entertainer. But once you fall into it, like once I fell into it, it just felt just perfect. It was exactly where I was supposed to be. And then from there, um, that's just such a big question. I feel like my life has been here, there and everywhere. Mm. I was yeah in High Five, worked at Universal Studios in Singapore, and then I ended up starting an ethical clothing label whilst I was in High Five, and um, that's been running for a few few years now. And yeah. I'm about to um, jump into Frozen the musical, which is after um, this whole isolation period finishes, we'll be <laughs> opening hopefully in December in Sydney. <laughs> Unreal. So there's heaps to go through there. So before let's let's backtrack a little bit before you were. In- <laughs> I think you've just fast forwarded quite far. <laughs> yeah, like... um, before you were in Singapore, so so you grew up here in Australia? Yeah, so yeah. Uh, I was born in Australia and then I ended up moving to Thailand with my family and I grew up there for a few years um, before I started school back in um, Sydney. Yep. And yeah, kind of spent my childhood in Sydney, still travelled a lot, but uh, yeah, love travelling. Awesome. And then, um, and then you moved to Thailand? And then Singapore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when I finished school, I was certain that I needed to get out of the country. I really wanted to travel and I really wanted to perform. So mm-hmm. I auditioned for Universal Studios in Singapore because I'm half Singaporean and my family are over there as well. And yeah, booked it, flew over there. I was 18 years old and um, yeah, living my best life. It was such an incredible experience um, as a performer really set the groundwork for what I wanted my career to be and where I wanted to go. That's awesome. And, and then how did that opportunity come about? So you said you're at Disney world or Disneyland. Yeah. Okay. That's you awesome. mean high five. 
well before that how did you end up at disneyland or universal. Disney, disney is or oh, universal sorry sorry how did, yeah, how did yeah. that come so, about and then tell us that oh. i remember you told me the story the other day about the high five bit yeah so explain <laughs> so that to crazy. us so i was at um full-time performing arts basically we dance sing kind of six to eight hours a day um every day of the week except for weekends and it's pretty full-on and um, I remember there being an open call for Universal Studios. Basically, an open call is anyone in the country can go and audition. And um, yeah, when we had a dance call, we had a singing call, uh, we had another singing call. So, you know, back to back auditions. And then, yeah, had to wait like a couple of months um, on hold, which is the worst part as a performer having to wait yeah. a few months to know whether you've got a gig or not. And I remember getting the phone call when I was in the car with a friend and I started screaming <laughs> just <laughs> over the moon, um, thinking about you know, me as an 18-year-old about to pack my bags and move countries and perform for a living. It was really life-changing. So exciting. And then so you're, you're at Universal and then how did the opportunity for High Five come about? Yeah, so they'd held, uh, held auditions around Australia to recast for High Five and... Um, I obviously was in Singapore at the time, but I was performing on the stage in one of our outdoor shows and the owner of High Five and his family had come along uh, to Universal Studios for the day and had seen me in a show. And um, yeah, that was, the rest was history. I kind of, it began with this six month audition process where um, I was kind of auditioning for them online or like in Singapore, whenever they were there touring and, yeah, after six months, I finally booked the gig, which I just still can't believe to this day that that happened. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting, um, you're in like an interesting industry. I was thinking about this the other day. So like, you know, for someone like myself, I can kind of map out exactly what, like what steps I want to take to get to, to my end goal and, and how that process looks. But how do you go about for setting goals and stuff like that when, when like you said, sometimes it's, it goes from kind of contract to contract or show to show and then in between you, there's a lot of unknown. So in terms of goal setting, what does that look like? Do you, like, did you, when you were at Universal, did you kind of go to yourself, right, I would love to end up in a group or what, like, what were your goals at the time before the high five thing came up? Yeah, I feel like when I started Universal, I was so young and so unaware. I really didn't have that self-awareness or mm. I wasn't doing that self-work at the time to kind of, I was kind of following the path of where I thought I was supposed to go as a performer. Mm -hmm. um, but when I fell into high five, I really began my self-discovery. And, um, you know, we were given the opportunity to travel to some incredible places and meet some amazing humans and do a lot of work with world vision and so kind of put everything into perspective and i started becoming really curious as to you know if this job wasn't here if i wasn't performing what would i be doing and that really started the whole journey of wanting to create my own stuff and make sure that performing was just an element of my life, but that I had a more well-rounded, balanced lifestyle. And um, I ended up starting, I knew I needed a morning routine because when we were touring with High Five, we would be in a different hotel room every couple of days. Mm -hmm. You know, I would wake up in sweats, not knowing where I was, no whose bed structure. I was in, what country I was in. Yeah, yeah, it was just a mess. And um, so I started meditating and journaling. And I now 
meditate and journal every single day, but I make sure that my morning routine is structured and it's something that I can take anywhere with me, anywhere in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, So even if I'm in a hotel room in Indonesia, I know that they have those, you know, Nespresso, those um, Nesquik coffees, you know, two minute coffees. And I would make one of those in the morning, have my black coffee, then I'd sit there and I'd journal. If I didn't have a notebook, I'd find a piece of paper in the hotel room or I'd do it in my phone and I'd make sure I'd write down three things that I'm grateful for, mm-hmm. uh, something that I might have achieved or learned the day before, and then uh, set my intentions for the day ahead. Um, and yeah, just really be able to map out my day and make sure that I lived that day with intention and then yeah. I'll meditate. Yeah. That's cool. And I wanted to break that down a little bit because you mentioned the other day in terms of the gratitude um, journal, like how you actually, the process of how you actually kind of write down the three things. And, um, you know, cause I talk a lot about the fact that I do a lot of gratitude journaling and, um, and mindfulness and all that type of stuff. But I think particularly for those that aren't already doing it, you kind of hear yeah. it and then you go, Oh, well, I don't really know what, if I was to do that right now and I've yeah. never done it before, what do I even do? So, and I think, and I think yeah. it's different for everyone and, and it, different things work for different people, but what does it look like for you? Like in, in detail, like that, that process, like what type of meditation, how are you doing your gratitude journal and, Mm -hmm. and the journaling for the day? Initially when I started journaling, it was just a brain dump. So I would get my journal and I would just write whatever was in my brain onto paper. So if I was frustrated with something, whatever I dreamed about the night before, and I didn't have to use punctuation or anything, no one's going to read this journal. You can say whatever you want. It's your Mm -hmm. private space. Uh, but then it obviously evolved and now it's quite structured. I still give that space for free flow writing, but um, yeah, I'll start with three things that I'm grateful for. And that when I started, I'd write like 10 things that I was grateful for and I'd just list them off. I'm grateful for coffee, the sun, travel, blah, blah, blah. And it, it just became so repetitive and there was no intention behind. I was just doing it because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. Yeah. But now what it's I was almost like a pre- premeditated list. You know exactly, exactly. what you're doing right now. You don't even think about <laughs> yeah, it. Exactly. I'm like, let's get this done. Um, no, but now I will do three things that I'm grateful for yep. and I'll write what I'm grateful for, why I'm grateful for it and, you know, what that does for me in my life. And yeah, just I'll go into heaps of detail about mm. each individual thing. So for example, I'm grateful for travel because it's an opportunity to see the world and it allows me to grow as a person and, I'll go into as much depth as I can. Yeah. And then I will go into yesterday and I'll write down kind of my day, the day before and and look at the little wins because I think it's so easy to just breeze past every single day and not recognize the little wins and the little yeah. achievements along the way, especially during this time where we're in isolation. We feel yeah. like we're kind of at a standstill. We're not going anywhere. But little things, you know, maybe the day before I managed to finish a complete workout or maybe I called my mum and went for a walk and it was something that I'd been meaning to do for a long time. Mm. So really recognising the good things in each day and then looking at my day ahead and saying, today I want to do ABC. But I also do words of intention. So I'll try and do five words that I want to live by that day, whether it be... Uh, I want to be energetic. I want to be magical. I want to be motivated or inspiring, whatever that, whatever that is, I'll make sure that I finish with five words of intention. So it's pretty detailed, but that's kind of the, and that'll change. That'll ebb and flow. Yeah. 
that's cool. The the one thing I really like is the why you're grateful for it because I was I was very similar and, and still to an extent sometimes I'm the same. Like I'll write down all these things that I am grateful for, but you don't really put any thought to to why. It's just because you think yourself, yeah. oh, I kind of should be grateful for that. So you write it down. <laughs> I think. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, so so through throughout your kind of um because I want to touch on uh, a big topic that I want to talk about today soon with the you and you and May thing soon. But, um, mm. but before that, has there been any like kind of um, moments so far in your career and your journey where that have been like pivotal moments, like whether it be a, a failure, I guess you'd call it, or something that didn't work out that you'd hoped did, but it's actually turned yeah. out to be a bit of a blessing in disguise. Yeah, massively. I mean, obviously with you and May, so many of those moments, it, was really a game changer, but we'll get into that later. Mm-hmm. Uh, with performing, um, after High Five, I really had this, I had this massive fear of going back into an audition room. I really hate the environment of, as a performer, you go into these auditions and there's a panel of 10 or 12 people watching you and yeah. basically judging you, mm. um, whether you're worthy of being in the industry or not. And it's so harsh. It's so brutal. And yeah. after high five, I really just w- didn't want to do it. And I, I just wanted to create my own stuff and that's what I did. But I recognized probably after two years that I was really ignoring something that needed to be addressed, that fear of judgment. I really needed to let go of it. And I'd done so much work with, uh, you know, journaling, gratitude, just to become really self-aware. And um, I felt like I built myself up to a point after those two years where I finally was ready to step back in that room because I knew who I was and I wasn't walking into that room for anyone else but myself. Yeah. And so I, yeah, the Frozen audition came up and I said to myself, I'm going to go into this audition different to how I've ever gone into any audition room. and I don't care what they think. I'm just mm-hmm. going in to prove to myself that I can overcome this massive debilitating fear. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and I went in um, and I sang my song the way it felt true to me. And it was the best audition that I've ever done. And I ended up booking the show. So it's amazing when you let go of that, all of the mm. things that are holding you back. And you finally, I finally had a why Yeah, I was there to overcome a fear and like that was my why I wasn't I wasn't there because I needed to book the show or because I wanted to yeah. impress these people so the end result um, wasn't so the end result wasn't the driving factor anymore yeah exactly and by that point in my life like I've I have so much so much perspective now I've seen so much of the world and I've seen how people live all over the world and that we're so fortunate to be where we are and I'm so fortunate to have had the training that I had Mm. and that my parents gave me those opportunities when I was a kid. And so many people around the world just don't have those opportunities. So really walking into the room with that massive pivotal moment for me, that's just one of like many. (laughs) One of many. Yeah. And, and so now tell, let's, let's get into the story of, um, of you and me. Um, this Mm -hmm. is, this is really cool. And this is something that I didn't obviously didn't know before, but, um, I'd love to hear some more about it. Yeah, definitely. So when I was in High Five, we were ambassadors for World Vision and we toured to a place called Myanmar, which used to be known as Burma, uh, kind of borders China, Vietnam, all those areas, Southeast Asia. And I remember landing there and thinking, 
this place is amazing. It's what Thailand or Vietnam would have been like 70 years ago. Like just not a single department store, just so far behind the times, but the people were so beautiful, so generous, so loving. Uh, And we visited this one village where a lot of sponsor kids lived. And I met this one young girl and she was living underneath someone else's house and she was learning to sew so that she could provide for her and her family. And I bought a top off this young girl and wore it back home in Australia. And people would ask me where I got the top from. And I'd end up telling the story about this young girl. And I, I thought to myself, like, what if I could provide this young girl and her family with an income by selling her clothes on Facebook or whatever? Yeah. And my partner said to me, why don't you just do it for all the young girls in the community? And at the time, like I was <laughs> young and naive and I just thought, yes. But if I had known how challenging it was going to be, I never would have done it. So I'm really glad that I just dove straight in mm. and um, overcame each hurdle as it, as it popped up because it allowed me to really get through it and overcome those challenges. Um, but yeah, now we sell their clothes online and they make clothes locally for their community. And we have, we built them a safe working environment. We provided education, healthcare, um, food, and yeah, just a, a safe facility for them to be a part of because also a lot of these kids are orphans and they have become their own family. But yeah, four years down the track, when I met these girls, they couldn't really sew. They had no skills um, outside of being able to cook and feed their own families and their younger siblings. But now they're basically self-sufficient and it's just incredible to see how far they've come Um yeah, they're amazing. That's incredible. So what are some of the, I guess, key takeaways you've taken from them? Like what have, what have you learned from them that, that really kind of has jumped out at you and whether or not it's changed the way you go about things um, back here? Obviously, you've provided them with something which is incredible and um, they've, they've obviously given back a lot to you as well. So, yeah, what did you kind of take away from, from them? Yeah, they absolutely changed my life. You know, they, these girls, they don't have much but they're so happy. They are so happy with what they do have. You know, I remember visiting that first girl and she, she lived underneath someone else's house in the dirt and she was so excited to show me where she lived, so excited to show me her old school foot pedal sewing machine. And I loved that. It's like she is, she's happy and these girls are happy and that's, that's the thing. I wasn't going in with the intention to change them as people because they're absolutely perfect the way that they are. Mm. Uh, you know, they, they've taught me so much. They ground me. They inspire me. Uh, we don't speak the same language. I mean, I can speak a little bit uh, okay. Burmese now, but, yeah. but back then we'd communicate just through body language and the right. translator sometimes. Uh, and, but it just worked. It, it mm. was, incredible and i never wanted these girls to become seamstresses that wasn't the goal the goal was for them to be able to have dreams because when i first asked some of these girls you know what do you want to be what do you want to do and and they 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 wouldn't be able to answer because no one's ever asked them that question before and yeah for the first time i was like i want these girls to be able to think about their futures and not just have to live on a dollar a day and survive that day alone but be able to think about the future and now one of our girls, Shui, she's full-time at university studying law. She's going to become a lawyer one day. And when I met her, she wasn't even at school. She couldn't afford to go to school. And now she's going to change so many people's lives. And I think that's the thing. They all have the, the want. They all have 
the knowledge, the skills to be able to, they just don't have the opportunities. And yeah. that's really what I wanted to do was just to provide some opportunities for them to be able to chase whatever goals or dreams that they had in mind. That's incredible. And, um, and uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I hope I haven't just made a story up in my head, but the other, day, <laughs> the other day, did you tell me that they actually made your, was it wedding dress? Yes. So they made my wedding dress. I got married in November last year and they'd never made a Western wedding dress ever before. I mean, when I met them a few years ago, they couldn't even sew. So it was a big deal for them. They were super excited to be able to do it. And I said to myself in my head, like, if I'm wearing a sack walking down that aisle, it doesn't matter because it's the meaning behind the dress. Yeah. Like, I really didn't care. I was like, as long as they, there would be nobody else that would make my wedding yeah. dress, it just, it had to be them. And and to provide them with that opportunity, you know, we spend so much money getting wedding dresses made here. Anything with the word wedding attached to it costs so much money. And just think about the amount of lives that you could change with that amount of money. And yeah. I wanted obviously to be able to go to them. And so, yeah, they created my wedding dress from scratch and it was magical. I just, uh, I haven't even That's washed so it cool. yet because I'm too scared to touch it. <laughs> Unreal. That's incredible. And uh, we, before, when you talked about the the audition for for Frozen, um, so you went into it with a different different mindset, more so focusing on what you wanted to achieve out of the audition, not so much what the end result was. Mm. How, how um, you know, we talked about this the other day in terms of at the moment, obviously most of us are kind of in lockdown or some form of restrictions anyway. So your main kind of livelihood being taken away from you. So for some people, we get so engrossed in what we do on a day to day basis that nothing else matters and yeah. when it gets taken away it's, it's very obvious so how do you kind of um i guess stay focused on keeping your options open and upskilling in certain other areas and, and you know similar to what you said about before with the girls like almost not forcing yourself to only stay in the one lane like giving yourself the option of of exploring different avenues yeah 100 percent. i think that was apparent to me quite early on uh in my career i really wanted to diversify my life and that's the thing we can't keep living contract to contract and I didn't like the idea of being so tied to um, my success my success being in the hands of someone else um, and you know knowing that there might be years where there are no jobs and I really needed to have my own things outside of the entertainment industry so I run a kids entertainment business with my partner but I have you and May as well and on okay. top of that a lot of freelance work so I and I never stop learning I'm always educating myself in whatever it is that I'm doing at that point I always have to have a goal so even when I'm not working um, I'll still have a goal and something that I'm learning and something that I'm working towards and obviously spending time on my own businesses um, outside of the industry but last year in I think it was last year or the year before I, end, I ran a marathon and that was epic for me. I'd only run like five Ks in my yeah. whole life. It was just so unknown to me and obviously had to try and get to the actual marathon without any injuries. But that, that was another pivotal moment for me. It really taught me that anything is possible and I wouldn't have booked frozen without it. It was setting my mind on this epic goal that just seemed so out of reach but understanding, and once I'd achieved it, it's understanding that you can do anything if you put the hard work in. And, yeah. you know, I spent months training to get to the, that 43 kilometer mark. Um, and 
on the day it was amazing running next to people that had you know maybe it was they were overcoming a massive health issue i saw people in wheelchairs people that were over 70 years old running mm. like their 20th marathon and you just everyone's think, got their own story everybody is yeah everybody's got their own story everyone's on their own journey and but but they're all here and they all made it and that is really important for me to set big goals that I can put the preparation in place to get there because mm. you can really apply that strategy to anything in life. And I'm doing that throughout um, this isolation period. I'm obviously still setting small goals, still working towards something. And it's good to have frozen to look forward to, but that doesn't mean, yeah, every day I'm still singing every day. I'm still taking dance lessons. And yeah. even when you book the gig, you don't stop learning. You don't yeah, stop yeah. working. You don't get there and you're like, sweet. Now I get to like relax. That's and when the that. hard work really starts. <laughs> exactly. All right, now with uh, with Frozen coming up, uh, tell us a bit more about that. Like, what? I mean, a few of the mums that I try and say like nonstop talk about the fact that their kids just love it. I've actually never <laughs> seen it, but like, who, like, can you say like who you're who you're playing and stuff like that? Like, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure people so, um, have, have an idea more than what I do. Yeah, Frozen. It's a pretty popular. Uh, entity um <laughs> but this is the broadway musical that they've brought to australia so it'll tour australia and potentially southeast asia um but we'll be starting in sydney and we'll be mm. touring in sydney for a year and it's a show put together obviously by the broadway team it's the same as the broadway musical um and then we'll come to melbourne after that potentially but i'm playing queen aduna so she's the mum of elsa and anna and I am just beyond excited. You know, somehow my career is always bringing me back to working with kids, like mm. even in musical theatre somehow. I'm playing the mum. I'll be on stage with a couple of like six and seven-year-old girls playing young That's Elsa cool. and Anna. And the best part is, yes, I'll be singing and dancing every day on a big stage and that's awesome and we're bringing smiles to people's faces. But knowing that, there will be kids in that theatre for the first time ever in their lives and you don't know what families have done to get there, especially after this and it's with awesome. everybody under financial pressure, knowing that the audience, it's its such a special moment for them and, and that's what's going to make the show so magical. That's unreal. And it kind of leads me into the next question. I've got two more questions I want to get through and, um, and then we'll wrap things up. But the next one was... Yeah, you know, depending on um, who you talk to, whether it be an athlete, whether it be a performer, whoever it is, whoever's kind of like masters their craft, they, you know, you think about the outcome of what you guys are doing, or obviously you're, you love performing and you get a lot of enjoyment out of it, but is there a certain kind of, um, I guess, mindset or headspace you go into these shows with? And I think you kind of already answered the question now, but like a result that you hope to get out of every performance, like whether it be what you hope the, the audience walks away with or, um, yeah, if that, I hope that question makes sense. Yeah, it does. I always want to go into a performance and know that I did the best that I could because there are so many variables, so many things can happen and you can't let one off day kind of shoot your confidence. Mm. I just know that I need to go out there and do the best that I can with the circumstances of that day. and. Uh, to do that, obviously, my morning journaling really helps me to set those intentions. Yep. If I intend to uh, go into my day with gratitude and perspective, as long as I fulfill that performance with those two thoughts in mind, 
And I know that I had perspective during that performance and that I was grateful for being on that stage, then, then I'm happy with the job that I did. Because, um, yeah, life is always changing. Things are always happening. Circumstances are always changing. So you, you really are only in control of what you're in control of and the rest of the outside influences yeah, you've got to let go of. That's awesome. Yeah. And now yeah. you and your you and your partner um both sound like very driven people. So have you got any advice or tips for, for those that are listening that do have a, a partner that both kind of are on their own kind of path or both working towards something? Like how do you guys go about making sure you give each other kind of enough space or support each other in ways that you can both kind of succeed without taking away from each other? Oh, hundred percent. When we met, we met in high five, so we'd always known life working together Mm -hmm. Uh, a lot of people say don't work with your partner you know can end in all sorts of situations but (laughs) we only know working together and it just is so perfect and I wouldn't have been able to achieve any of the things that I've done without him Uh, you know you and May frozen he is always by my side and he knows that if I am achieving my goals and I'm doing the best that I can life together is better and vice versa. I can see when he's achieving what he wants to achieve and, you know, living by living in alignment with himself. He is a different person. He is so happy, so positive, so motivating. Mm. And that's the person that I want to be around. And that's how we should see in relationships. You should want your, your partner to achieve success because ultimately it's a win for both of you. It just makes life together even better. And, um, I think if you're focusing on what your partner's achieving and letting that take away from you, you're focusing your energy on the wrong thing. You need to really spend that the, the time. This is the same for friendships or yep. you know, work relationships. The time you spend worrying about them is time taken away from investing in yourself. Unreal. What an answer. You've done well there. What an answer. <laughs> Taneki, thanks so much for, for joining us today. I hope you've enjoyed the chat. I'm sure everybody who's tuned in has, has got a lot of value out of today. So thank you. No, thanks for having me. I love your podcast and the guests that you have on are incredible. So looking forward to hearing this one. <laughs> Just join the list. Yeah, you can listen to your own, your own voice. Uh, guys, thanks oh, gosh. for today's show. Um, if you have taken some value, please do take a screenshot of today's episode and post it up on your Instagram story for us. Tag myself and tag Tanika. I know she had her Instagram account hacked a while back, so we wow. need to bump her followers up as well. <laughs> yes. Tanika Anderson hacked on the first week of ISO, but you know, what a start. things happen. You just got to move on. <laughs> All right. Thanks again. And thanks everybody for tuning in and look forward to chatting to you again in next week's episode.